Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. I'm ready to get in the Word if you have your Bibles. John 15. And I need your help this morning. I need your help. I need you in, I need you in it. Are we in it this morning? We're in it, right? Like... We're not just here on Sunday because that's what we do on Sundays. We're like, we're here because we're hungry for the things of God, right? We're, we're hungry for the, for the word of God. You got to be hungry to be fed. That's the only way it's going to work. Amen. So John 15, 18 through 19. If you have it, give me a good amen. 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 And if you don't have it, I got you. I don't forget about you. It's up here. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Turn to the person next to you and let them know that's why they hate you. This is why they hate you. It's not personal. It's relational. They hate you by association. They hate you because of who you represent, right? It's, it's kind of like if you tell me that you work at, at Burger King, I'm going to make some, some judgments on you. I'm going to make some assumptions about you because of who you represent. I'm going to assume that you're lazy and you don't listen. Because every time I go to Burger King and I order something, my order is always wrong. And if I ask them for a packet of ketchup, they give me like this blank stare for like five seconds. Like, seriously, you want me to get you ketchup? Yeah. And so, and so it's, not, it's not about, it's not personal. It's about who you represent. The world doesn't hate you because of who you are, but because of who you represent. And that's so loving of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That he, that he puts all the hatred of the world, all those dirty looks that you get from people because you believe a certain way, he puts it all on himself. And he says, look, it's not you, it's me. Because of me, they hate you. Because of me, they will judge you. Because of me, they persecute you. They don't hate the player, they hate the game. <laughs> this is going to be our main text uh, this morning, and I, I just want you to rem- remember this passage as we go through today's message, um, and really as we go through life, as you experience the hatred and the disrespect received by so many Christians. You know, this past week we had our, we had our midterm elections, right? And you know what I finally come to realize, and, and you probably made this real, realization a long time ago before I did, but I realized that politics really brings out the ugly in people, and that includes Christians. Can we get the Christians to say amen to that? It, uh, even the Christians, because... It's like anytime politics are involved, Christians are right there, front and center with the world, engaging in those disrespectful conversations, talking to be heard, but never stopping to listen. Proverbs 18, too, it says, it says right here, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Man, I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of Christians needing to turn their Bibles to Proverbs 18, too. We attack people. We judge people. It's like we're actually surprised that the world behaves like the world and they're going to vote and they're going to believe and they're going to they're going to make judgment calls based off of how the world behaves. That shouldn't be a shocker to us. That's expected. And we criticize others. I saw people criticizing people saying, you know, you're 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 so easily offended. But Christians get offended by a lot of things. Can we just be honest? You're not taking my Jesus. You're not taking my Christ out of Christmas I know, I know some people that didn't go into a store because it said Merry Xmas. You got offended. And we criticize everyone else for being offended. It's okay to, 
it's okay, it's okay to talk about Christians because I'm a Christian, right? And in the midst, in the midst of us trying to advocate to, for the things of God, many times we end up making him look bad. It's almost as if we've lost our understanding that the world is, they're going to be the world. They're going to think differently than we do. They're going to reason differently. They're going to talk differently. And they're going to have different political and, and moral opinions. So even though Jesus is saying, let them hate, he's not saying you should hate them back. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, we know that Jesus said that the greatest commandment is love. And, and, and he made two subpoints beneath that. He says, love God and love people. Christians, we, we're pretty good about loving God, but we fail a lot at loving people. And Jesus said so many times to his disciples, the world is going to hate you, but you got to love them back. The world is going to demand that you go with them one mile, go with them two miles. They're going to demand that you, that you give them your shirt, give them your coat as well. Kill them with, with love and kindness. Now, love doesn't mean that you tolerate what they do. It doesn't mean that you conform to what they do. It doesn't mean that you become who they are. It just means you love them, even in the midst of their sin, and even in the midst of their persecuting you. Because there was a time, don't you forget, where we were enemies of God and if it wasn't because of his grace and his mercy and his infinite love, we would still be dead in our sin. That's the power of love. And so I, I wanted to bring this message today because, you know, the world isn't getting friendlier towards Christians. And I, I'm not sure that it ever will. But what I do know is that Jesus prepared us for persecution. And we just need to know how to handle it. How do you, ha how do you handle people that don't like you? How do you do it? I need to have some conversations because I'm curious. Last week, um, we had our pastor's day, and uh, one, once again, I want to say thank you guys to, you know, for just loving on, on me and my family and supporting us, and um, you guys, you guys really have a really special place in my heart, and I don't say that to uh, sound cheesy, I really, I really mean that. Um, and my dad announced, if you weren't here, my dad announced that next year he's going to be stepping down from the senior pastor role um, while I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, stepping up next year. And, uh, you know, so I'll be assuming the role that that might not feel like much of a change for you guys for the past three years. I've I've been your your pastor. I've, I've pastored this English congregation. But I imagine and I was telling I was talking to Joel this morning. I was asking him, I, I wonder how many people are going to leave the church next year. I wonder if we're going to have some some people, some some span. I hope it's none of you guys, because I've what are you doing here? Right. If you don't like me. <laughs> but. But I, I told him, I imagine some people might, might leave, you know, the church. Um, because, you know, a lot of these, these Spanish congregants, they don't, they don't see me as, they, as their pastor. They maybe have heard me preach a couple of times. Some of them might just see me as a, as a worship leader. Or not even that. Some of them might not even give me that much credit. They might just see me as el hijo del pastor, right? Um, that, that's, that's all they'll give me. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that. And I've mentally prepared myself long ago that some people just might take issue with this new position. And some people might leave the church because that's what happens when big changes happen. And additionally, I have to realize that not everyone might like me. If you ever assume that everybody likes you, let me just tell you, they don't. If you ever assume, I'm, I'm a pretty likable guy, everybody loves me, no, there's going to be someone that doesn't like you. Just keep in mind that there's a group of people that don't like pepperoni pizza. And if there's people that don't like pepperoni pizza, surely there's going to be some people that don't like you. And, you know, 
I remember 15 years ago when my parents stepped in as a senior pastors, we, we had some people leave the church. And so I expect that we might have some of that as I step into this new role. And I actually, I, I, I asked a pastor friend of mine um, when he took over his, his church because he was actually coming from, from a, a, different, a different church and, and he took over as a senior pastor. And he had a lot of this issue where people were leaving the church when he became the, the senior pastor. And I asked him, bro, how, do you, how did you deal with that? I mean, some people probably left because they, they didn't like you. They didn't like you as, as a person or as a, as a uh, preacher. or They just didn't want you to be their pastor. And so I asked him, how do you deal with that? And he said, Ryan, if I just focused on the haters, I would just spend all my time trying to please someone that's already made a decision to be a hater. And he gave me some, he said, it's not productive. It wasn't effective of me to, to focus, to concentrate on those people. And he gave me some advice that I think anyone can live by. He said, focus on God and focus on the people that decide to stay by your side because those are the ones that are relevant. And so if you stay by my side, just know that you're going to stay relevant, okay? <laughs> Even if you leave, I, I'll still love you. I'm not going to block you on Facebook, I, I promise. But there's this story in, in the Bible that applies this teaching of Jesus um, to a very practical situation. And I love it because it's a story that took place 600 years before Jesus even steps onto the scene. It's, it, it's in Daniel chapter 3, and you can go there. It's a story of three Jewish men who've made a name for themselves in a land in which their own people are held captive. Did you know that God can elevate you even in the midst of hardship? Did you know? God, even in the midst of your struggle... Where you're telling God, God, I'm sick of being in this valley. God will say, okay, well, just hold on. Stop complaining. Maybe I'll elevate you to the mountaintop. God is good to those who are faithful to him, even when the circumstances aren't good. And so we have these three Jewish men. They're appointed by the prophet Daniel as, uh, to be the, the administrators of, of the Babylonian province. They had some awesome names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I ever have a son. Right, babe. She's looking, she's looking like, nope. I'm going to call him Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you're probably familiar with the story. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this giant 90-foot statue, covers it with gold. Uh, most scholars are, con- are convinced that, that it, was a, it was probably a monument of, of him or one of the deities that they worshipped in, in Babylon. And so what he does is he calls all these leaders in the pro- province together to, to dedicate this statue it's all there in the first few verses of Daniel chapter 3. And the idea would be that any time the people would hear the sound of, of instruments, they would be summoned to worship. So they would fall down to their knees, they would bow their heads, and they would begin to worship. It, it kind of sound, right, reminds me of the hourly uh, prayers where you know, Islam is heavily practiced. When we went to Tanzania in, in, in one of the, the main cities, every, every hour on the hour, there's this, there's this call to prayer. And so I imagine that this was, this was a lot like that, where all the, city, uh, the citizens of the province came together, whatever they were doing, they stopped it, and they began to worship. Now, this would include Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know, the world is going to often demand certain things of you without asking if you're okay with it. You know that? They're going to expect things. Things that are they're going to become the standard. They're going to become the new normal. And there's really nothing that you can do about it but stick out like a sore thumb. So that's why when, when you're with your friends, your non, non-Christian friends, family members, and, and you're at a restaurant and everyone's drinking and, and the waiter brings out this you know, round of shots and everyone's like, yeah, let, let's take one. You're like, can I, can I get some water? Right? 
I'm, I'm always so uncomfortable, like, at, at non-Christian weddings where they, like, they expect you to just get hammered and then call an Uber at the end of the night. Like, I've got my own car with its own car payment, so I, I'll just pay, I'll just take my own car because I pay for that sucker. <laughs> there are things that the world will expect of you, but these three men, just as Jesus said of Christians, didn't belong to the world. That's something that we tend to forget, that we don't belong to the world. We forget it because we grow up in the world. We interact with the world. We communicate with the world. We're friends with people of the world, but we are not of the world. That's what Jesus says. He says, you might be in it, but you're not of it. There's a difference there. You're in the world, but you're called to be the light in the world. Now, remember, you can still love people. You can still love the people of the world without conforming to the world. But when you do that, when you express your opinion, when you say, look, don't include me in that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You got to realize that you might get some haters. You might get some haters. And I want to read a little bit. Verses 8 through 12, if you have it right there, Daniel 3. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and all the kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall in worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. We've been finding out some things about Layla lately, guys. Um, I literally had to sit her down the other day, have a serious conversation with her. I was on the couch. I said, baby, I, I need you to come here. Sit on my lap. I looked at her dead in the eye. And then I proceeded to explain to her what a tattletale was. Because Layla watches us like a hawk. And, I mean, I, I can't do anything that she thinks Melissa would not approve of without her going and tell telling Melissa what I did, same thing with Melissa. If Melissa does something, she's going to come and, and, and run to me. And you know, at first it was kind of funny, but now it's kind of annoying. i, I got to be honest with you. The other morning, I, Layla comes up to me, and she asked me for some candy. And, you know, it, it's before breakfast. She hasn't eaten anything yet. I know that Melissa wouldn't normally give her candy before uh, breakfast, but I just wanted to have a little moment with my daughter. I wanted there to be a little secret between us. I thought it would just be so cute, you know, something that we could both take to the grave. Um, you know, I was starting to build this little daddy-daughter code, and I was like, okay, baby, I'll, I'll give you a candy. And, and she, loves, she loves Starburst, but she calls it Starbucks. So she'll say, I want Starbucks. And uh, so I, I give her this candy, and I was like, you can't tell mommy. And I'm looking her dead in the eye. You can't tell mommy about this. Do you understand me? And she's like, yes. And I, and I open it, and I give it to her, and she starts to eat it. And it's like all of this is happening right there. And we're just kind of looking at each other like, yeah, like this is awesome. Like no one's going to know about this. Layla's got this mischievous look on her face. And she eats it. She swallows it. And she's so sweet, man. She, she comes up to me and she gives me a hug. She says, thank you, daddy. And then not even a second later, she turns around. She gives out this, this, this screech. Mom, daddy gave me candy. And I'm like that little brat, man. <laughs> Like, it, the simplest thing, and I'm, I'm concerned, church, because, like, like, was she trying to set me up for failure? Like, I'm, I'm still trying to contemplate that, t contemplate that. 
Was she trying to get me to stumble so that she could then accuse me of my wrongdoing? Like, does she even want candy in the first place? I can't even make the simplest mistake without Layla telling everyone she knows. And I'm telling you, church, and I hate to make Layla, my, my sweet daughter, the antagonist of this story and relater to, to these, these astrologers. But um, you got to watch out. You got to watch out for the hawks in your life. You got to watch out for those people that are just watching you so closely, waiting for you to mess up so that they can accuse you. Especially if they don't like you. If they don't like you, what's that saying? Keep your, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. Why do they say that? So that you can keep every tab possible on your enemy. So that the moment they mess up, they're going to turn around and they're going to blow the whistle on you. They're going to accuse you. And see, the world doesn't like Christians very much these days, especially in the West. And so we've got to be ready to be accused at any little thing. Church, can we just be honest? It's, it's a scary time to be a Christian. It is. It's a scary time to be a Christian minister. I always worry because I, I watch the news where, where these preachers, they're asked to conduct a, 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 a wedding ceremony for, for two homosexuals, and, and they, they have to say no. But a lot of times, they get accused of discriminating. And so it's a scary time to be a Christian because if, if, if you're... If you're a homosexual couple and you ask me to, to conduct your wedding ceremony, I'm going to have to say no. I can't give in to what you expect of me. I've got to say no. But then I'm accused of being a homophobic. But that's not it. I just define marriage a different way. It's, it's a scary time to be a Christian because if I say that I'm pro-life, that automatically means that I don't support women to have rights over their own body. But that's not it. I just don't think that we should be ending lives so that you can exercise that choice. You can hate me all you want, and you can call me names, and you can call me a bigot, and you can think that I'm old school and old-fashioned, and, and I'm, not, I'm not progressive enough, but I just have a different standard than you do, because I am not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Watch out for those that are ready to accuse you. Watch out, because they're there. They're in your workplaces. They're in your schools. Watch out. These Babylonian astrologers, they... They've probably been watching very closely these Hebrew men. How dare they, these foreigners become leaders in our province? We're going to watch them every, every single day very closely so that the moment that they mess up, we can attack them. And that's what they do here. And I can picture, I can picture just how this, this scene went down in Babylon at this dedication ceremony. It was probably tens of thousands of people that King Nebuchadnezzar gathered to honor this, this monument. And the music plays and everyone falls to their knees. Everyone. I just imagine thousands of people just falling to their knees and bowing. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they remain there standing. I bet it was kind of awkward. I bet, I just imagine like the, the person next to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, hey, 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 you got to get down. And they're like, nope. Had to be awkward. All these thousands of people and these three men just not. Like not getting the memo. It's kind of like when you sit in the front row and the preacher says, okay, you, you guys can be seated now. And 15 seconds later, they, they miss that message and they look around. Like, oh, snap, everybody's sitting down. It's awkward. It probably had to be a little bit uncomfortable as well because going against the current church, it's, it's, it's not easy. I know we preach it. I know we teach it. I know we know it. I know, I know we judge others when, when they seem to be going with the current. But, but when you're in a moment, where you're doing something that no one else is doing, and we're doing something that isn't popular, it can make us feel out of place. 
So I imagine it was uncomfortable. I also know that it made some people very angry. Anger that brought about hateful accusations and a hateful punishment. See, these three men, after being accused by these haters, they find themselves before the king facing trial. And verse 13 says, I don't have it up here, but it says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these three men were brought before the king. And he gives them one more opportunity to give in. He says, okay, I know you guys didn't want to bow down before, but I'm going to give you one more chance. One more chance to save yourselves. Because if, if you don't bow down, if you don't give in to what I expect of you, I'm going to, there are going to be consequences. I imagine, while I was reading this, I, I imagine that that's how the, the tribulation is going to be. Where Christians are going to be forced to either take the mark of the beast or choose to remain marked by God. And if we don't accept that standard, we'll be outcast, we'll be, we'll be hated, we'll be persecuted. And in a moment where we have to say, if they hate me, they hate me. But I'm not going to conform. That's hard to do sometimes, church. It's hard to do. But I want you to check out their response. You're still with me, right? I've been noticing my preaching has been getting a little bit longer. I used to always be like a 27-minute preacher. Now I'm looking at the podcast, and it's like 35 minutes. I hope, that, I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> verse 16 I got one supporter back there verse 16 check it out this is their reply to King Nebuchadnezzar they, they replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand I love this part but even if he doesn't we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I want to dissect that for, for just a minute. Because these men make two very, very clear points. The first one is, we don't have to give in to what you expect of us. I don't have to. I know everyone is doing it. I know this is popular. I know that this, this is the new normal. And my friends are doing it and my family's doing it. And I'm the only one that's not doing it, but I'm not going to partake in this. We've got, we've got to remember something. That... That Israel's idolatry was what got them in this mess in the first place. Because they, they could not just turn to the one true God. And because they were in constant idolatry, God said, you know what? I'm just going to give you over to what you want. And so had these Jewish leaders given into this command, they would have been delivering a message to the, to the rest of the Hebrews in Babylon that it's okay to conform. We're here now. We might as well. Everyone is doing it. We're in this place where this is the normal. Did you know that where you are should not dictate who you are? Where you are. If, if you're surrendering who you are because of where you are or because of who you're with, you're doing this thing called being a child of God wrong. You're doing it wrong. This wasn't these Hebrew men. They weren't disrespecting authority. These, these, these weren't men that were just trying to be hard-headed and, and difficult men. They're, they're defending their status as people of God. No one can take that away, not even the king. The moment that you give in to what the world expects of you that directly contradicts what God has called you to be is the moment that you say, God, I am no longer your child. I relinquish my right as a child of God. That's the first thing that they do. 
I don't have to give in to what you expect of me. The second thing is that this is a no compromise position. Church, did you know that if you're going to be a child of God, that's a no, that's a no compromise position. You're, you, you're either are or you're not. Jesus says you cannot have, you can't be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because it doesn't taste good. I need you to be all in or not in at all. So they tell, they basically make this point to King Nebuchadnezzar. This is a no compromise position where even if you decide to throw me in the fiery furnace, even if you decide that you no longer want to be my friend, you can burn me. You can call me names. You can block me on Facebook. You can talk about me. You can talk about my mama. That might hurt a little bit. You can hate me. Even, even if the very God that I, decide, I, I defend decides not to deliver me from your hate, I'm still not going to give in. Even if, even if my God just remains silent as you persecute me and you hate me, I am still going to call him my God. And I'm not going to give in to you. See, a lot of Christians these days, man, a lot of Christians, we take on certain positions. You know, we, 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 take on, we take on certain things of God, but it's got its limits. Like, like if my fa- family is going to be affected by it, or if it de- demands too much of me, well, then maybe I'll give in. But this is why Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters. You're either for me or you're against me. It's a no compromise position if you're going to be a child of God. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're ready to die for this. They're ready. They're they're not surprised by this. They know that they're the minority. That at some point, they were going to have to face this persecution of being a child of God. But that's why I entitled this message, Let Them Hate. Because that's what we've got to be ready for, church. And instead of trying to please the haters and give in to what they want, we have to be ready to say, bring in what you got, man. But I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. But remember, it's not about you. It's about who you represent. I'm going to have Will come up. I want you. Can you go back to that verse in John real quick? Let's read it one more time, church. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of this world. This is why the world hates you. He, he makes it so clear. This is why they're going to hate you. Church, if we're going to be men and, women of, men and women of God, let's be men and women of God. That might mean accepting the fact that, that not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is going to want to hang out with you or be your friend or even want to be associated with you because you disappoint them. And I know that that might be hard because we live in a society where everything that we do, we expect some type of validation. And so when we post a picture on Instagram, we're, wet, we're ready for the engagement and we're constantly checking it. Did it get over 50 likes? Did it get over 75 likes? Did it get over 100 likes? We live in a culture that, that when we post something to Facebook, it basically says, hey, give me a thumbs up. Let me know that you agree with me. We're always looking for validation from other people. And we often forget the only validation that really matters. The only opinion that really matters. Because people are going to fail me, man. They might give me a thumbs up one day and then they're going to give me a thumbs up the next. My God is always for me. 
my God is always loving me. And I know sometimes we just want to be accepted. We want to be invited. We want to be included. We don't want to be forgotten about by our friends. But remember what the Apostle Paul says. And I'm about to close. He says, for am I seeking the approval of man or of God? You got to choose. Because you can't have it both. Am I seeking the approval of God who was limited in his, sorry, of man who was limited in his knowledge? Or am I seeking the approval of the almighty creator God who knows all things? There is nothing that man can offer me that will ever compare to the greatness of what God has in store for all those who please him. So let them hate. Can you say that with me this morning? Let them hate. Come on, say, say that again. You're not convinced. Let them hate. God's love will always outlast their hate anyways. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.